Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. So this morning I'm not speaking. Welcome my wife, Wendy, who is our small groups director, also teaches at Franklin University. Uh, she is going to bring our message, so would you welcome her now? Oh, well, thanks. I'm just, I'm really glad to be here. Um, I'm really glad to be here. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much. I thank you for your presence. I'm eager to see what you're up to today, Lord, and I, um, I ask that you would touch each one of us with an, a renewed awareness that you are with us all the time. Amen. Well, to introduce what I wanted to focus on today, um, I'm going to start off with a song that God has had me singing for the past couple months. Um, you may have heard a remix of it on a recent Hyundai commercial. Um, but it was also in the movie that Will, um, Will Smith did a couple years ago called um, I Am Legend. You know, it's that apocalyptic movie where potentially, um, you know, he is the last man living in New York City. <clears throat> There's a virus that mutated and spread throughout the, spread through all of the world, killing 90% of humanity. And so the survivors that are left become predatory and they become like vampire-like creatures, I guess, um, that prey at dusk. And Will Smith is one of those that is left trying to bring hope and change here. Um, so I thought it was just very curious that the song that I've been, feel like God's been, you know, singing with me is, um, the song that they had in this movie. And, um, Will Smith, he talks about Bob Marley as the person that wrote this song and sort of gave him a philosophy of life. So even as Will's life is ending, or it seems like it is, he sings this song to deal with the stress. So I've done a little research on Bob Marley, and he is into, he was into Rastafarianism, which seems to be a worship of Ethiopian king, and there is um, an element of marijuana usage involved in that, um, which Jeremy was um, making fun of me because the message is high hopes. And um, so I was like, okay, oh well. But I just want you to know that six months before um, Bob Marley died, he was baptized into the Christian faith. So join as Dusty sings this Three Little Birds. All right, man. All right, Dusty. Oh, thank you. So, I mean, like, yeah, I just love that song. I mean, no worries. Who doesn't feel it? It's like a little bit of comfort food. and It just feels good. But, like, so why should we not worry, though? Because I have three adorable little birds on my doorstep saying, you know, no worries. I mean, why do we not worry? It just seems a little too simplistic because um, there are huge problems in our world. So what do you think? Do you have to worry? Is worrying a reality? And do we need to worry because there are just so many bad things that could happen? So what does the Bible suggest? In Matthew 6:25, Jesus tells us, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Because look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow we throw in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things are going to be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, because each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I'm saying, I think Bob Marley Marley realized something. I mean, it was, he got something. So the Bible tells us not to worry, and I can get that, but like, how do I not worry? Because what do we know? Stress is a part of life. We know that six of the six major causes of death in the United States, um, stress contributes to them. We know that stress plays some role at least 50% of all physical illnesses. This one sort of gets me. Um, Research studies show that stressful emotions affect the development and the progression of different diseases, including cancer. So those emotions are frequent feelings of hopelessness or helplessness. If we have an inability to express our anger or resentment and an unusual amount of self-dislike or distress will affect how we can fight off diseases and so forth. So that information just really puts a fire under me, like I've got to get a handle on how I deal with stress. So I know for me and most other people I know, we want to know, how do I deal with stress more effectively? Um, You know, I know, like, how did I first learn how to be a stress or a worrier? You know, because I remember when I was a really little kid, I was around a lot of stressors, but for some reason I didn't spend hours worrying. Um, It sort of, I learned how to worry and how how to be stressed. You know, I totally love being a parent. I Oh, it's wonderful. But yet anyone who's responsible for kids knows how easy it is to be anxious. I mean, we have this amazing little person now under our care. You know, my insecurities um, regarding my abilities to parent are only emphasized by the fact that um, they're nonverbal when they're born. You know, they can't tell you, I want this mom or I need that. And, um, but then I also realize even as they get older, they still sometimes don't even know what they need or want. And it can be pretty anxiety-producing, you know. Um, you know, and who can deny the anxiety that we feel when we see that our kids have been um, hurt by their peers or um, overlooked by a teacher or by a boss? Or even worse yet, what if they're struggling with um, a disease or an illness? We can have worry and anxiety over specific things like our kids, our you know, our jobs, our finances, but also there's a sense of worrying that can sometimes be an anxiousness or an unease that we sort of carry and wear throughout the day. Um, Sometimes it just feels like anxiety can envelop us. The word anxiety comes from the Latin word, which means choked. And the etymology of worry comes from the word strangled. I just thought those were powerful word pictures about what worry can really do and what anxiety does for us. Um, they did a study on adults, and they asked, okay, what, are, what have you done that you most regret wasting time on? And do you know what the number one response was? At 67% worrying. Can you believe that? So they believed that they chose to worry, and in retrospect, it was foolish. Some of the other things, though, that they felt like wasted time on was um, watching TV, cleaning, chores, and commuting. And I would agree that that's a waste of time, too. But worrying was a big uh, waste of time for them. Um, I think for a long time, I accepted the fact that worry was just a part of life. In fact, I thought that if you really cared about somebody, you worried about him. And if you didn't worry, you were just somewhat heartless. But there is a real big difference between caring for someone and carrying something. Because you can care deeply for someone, but you don't have to carry that concern all on your own strength. 
I teach psychology classes, like Ross said, and um, we talk about stress and stress management. And I know healthy things to do. Like, I know it's important to have good relationships because a strong social network increases our real resiliency. I know to identify the sources of stress, understand them, come up with a plan to resolve them. I know that it's important to take care of ourselves physically, so you're supposed to eat good, um, sleep, get good sleep, eat well. You know, I, I know those. I just don't always do them. Um, and I also know that stress is affected by our thinking. We know that people that are happy have a tendency to focus on positive things, and people that are unhappy look at more of the negative things in life. So why is it when we know some of these tips, or I know some of these good things to do and how to deal with stress, but we can sometimes live in a lifestyle of just worry, and um, it just feels like it's almost like a blanket around us. For those of you that were here when I spoke in July, I talked about dreams, and I shared a personal dream where I believe that God had shown me that I had chosen to let something that he was wanting to birth and develop in me, that I had chose to put it on the back burner. Um, in fact, in the dream, I aborted this gift that God had given me, and I clearly felt the consequences of that. What I didn't share then is what I felt like back in March that he gave me was the invitation to be with him. And, you know, like you, I'm a really busy person, got a lot of stuff going on. I thought I needed to postpone that invitation because I had a lot of things to do, you know. I've got kids to raise, and I thought, I'll just do that and learn how to be when the kids are out. But since that dream, I have been more intentional on how to be um, because the reality of being is that it is crucial if I ever want to receive from God. So although I know those tips for dealing with stress are valuable, the key to dealing with anxiety, with stress, seems to be rooted in knowing and being with God. So for what it's worth, I'm going to share with you some of the things that I've been learning from a variety of sources about how to be, because being decreases anxiety and it increases our hope. Paul tells us in Romans 15 that the God of hope fills us with joy and peace. I believe scripture backs up the point that we can look at our spiritual growth and the level of joy that we have, and it's a good indication of how we're doing spiritually. Because joy reflects our belief that God is working for us, right? So what does it mean to be? Well, let's start at the beginning. I mean, God is omnipresent. He is being. He is always being. So he's a good role model to go with. And we know because he is always present, we can be with him at any moment. You know, some worship leaders describe there's two different kinds of people. You have your ETRs and your HDRs. An ETR is somebody who is easy to receive. They live more in the present. They drink in God. You can see them in worship. They, they just involve and they receive easier. Um, they sort of jump into life and to experiences. An HDR is more like a hard to receive. Those are your more super responsible people and dedicated. Um, it's difficult to live in the moment because they feel so responsible for the future. Like, what are the things that I need to do to make right for myself and for my family? So which one are you more like? Easy to receive, hard to receive. I'd have to say I'm more in the category of the hard to receive. Um, for me, being present and in the moment, I can feel that irresponsibleness that I've, I've got to prepare for the future because I want to make a difference. I want, I want to have, I have goals and expectations that I want to meet. 
And being just seemed like a luxury that some people who had a little bit too much time on their hands did or yoga instructors is all I know. Is that, it seems strange. So, um, but what I'm learning, that is if I do not live in the moment, I'm going to miss what's truly important. If I don't live and become present to God more in the moment, I'm actually, if I am more present to God in the moment, I'm going to actually accomplish the right things. Um, I can see my hard-to-receive side evident for even good events. Like this summer, I had a day. We went boating on a lake before we dropped our oldest off at college. Man, it was a great time. I loved being together. Music, water, boat. I mean, m- wonderful. And But I had the hardest time staying focused in the present and enjoying it because my mind would just start wandering off like, oh, my goodness, I'm dropping off my son, and we don't maybe have many more of these days, and what will life be like for them? And I know I haven't parented well, and how are they going to be? And then I start thinking, well, maybe I should have rented a different boat, and maybe I should have, um, you know, gone to a different lake. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe I sort of like the last boating experience we had a little bit better. It's like, Wendy, focus, get in, enjoy. You're with your family. But my natural tendency is just to go and live in a different place. It reminds me of this quote that Bill Keen said, And it's also sung on a kid's DVD. It says, Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift of God, which is why we call it the present. I mean, I know it sounds a little cheesy, but that is really profound because we don't live in the future. That's sometimes nice to think about. We live in the present, and it is a gift. And so how do we want to do that? So as I've been practicing trying to be this summer, the the scripture I landed on is from Psalm 36. It says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from your river of delights. For, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. I mean, it's that verse 8 that just gives, it just gets my curiosity. It talks about God wanting us to drink from this river of delight. I mean, we don't have to wait for heaven for that. But so I've been trying to imagine, what does a river, God's river of delight, look like? So for me, I just picture it on a mountain, and there's this amazingly clear rushing river that's flowing through it, but it's not so overwhelming that I can't just jump in there and get my distilled delight and drink a little bit whenever I need it. Um, I think if I ask my kids, they would probably describe God's river of delight as Willy Wonka's river of chocolate, I think is what it would be. And I think I could have fun there for a couple of days as well. So, but what we know that delight means it's a high degree of gratification, of joy. And the picture of it is just of abundance. It's abundance, like it's there. It's not like there's just a little bit. It's constantly there, the ability to jump in, to drink of this river of delight. Um, maybe this is for some of you, but I struggle with guilt if I ask God for delight and joy and there are other people that are close around me and they are grieving or in pain. Because I feel, again, like it's, if I'm not worrying, I'm not loving. And I have to remember, joy and grief are not opposing forces. We can grieve with others and still experience God's joy. Because just look at Jesus. Look at the disciples. They did it. Because when we pull into misery, we start to shut other people out. When we pull ourselves into worry, we're starting to get like, I've got to take care of myself. I need so much for myself. So the most loving thing that we can do for the people around us is to pull into that river of delight and to pull into joy because we're pulling into God's abundance 
And so it just, we, don't, we don't protect ourselves so much. We're giving out of a different source. Learning how to be with others is the most loving thing we can do. So how do we be? You know, there's not a specific instructional manual that I can see that it gets step by step. It pretty much says, God says, learn to delight in me, delight. And then we get to practice. So one of the main questions I've been asking God as I'm practicing, like, Jesus, what do you have for me right now? And what I sense, I accept. Like for you teenagers, when you have to go to school and your day is packed with a pretty incredibly boring lectures and maybe a test that you're not ready for, um, you can ask the same question. Or for some of us that have to go to jobs and we know we might have some difficult conversations or it's just an overwhelming day, the questions that we can ask is, Jesus, what do you want from me right now? Because maybe he's wanting you to give him something, like the stress or something. What is he wanting from you right now? Sometimes it may be just like, can you give me like 20 seconds just to pause? And the other question is, Jesus, what do you have for me in this moment? Those have been my two main questions. About two weeks ago, I had a day where things did not go as I had planned. It felt like one of those days that was wasted by unnecessary things. And I'm almost all German, and Germans do not waste time, and we don't waste money. So it was very frustrating to me. And on top of it, toward the end of the day, um, Ross and I had both agreed for our son, he wanted to attend an important event for one of his friends. But this would then require me to spend my Saturday night driving him 45 minutes into the country, waiting there for a couple hours while he went to this event, and picking picking him up and driving home. Because he had, um, you know, soccer, 12 hours of soccer the next day. So... I said, okay, we're going to do that. But I have to tell you, because it was a wasted day in my mind, I was a little irked already. So I get there, I drop him off, and then I proceed to get stuck in the mud. And I have to find strangers to help me get out, which was not fun. And then I went to go find a nice place, and I got lost driving there, trying to find a safe place to sit for a couple hours. And there was no cell phone coverage in there, which was irritating to me. And I drove over to an already dead possum and a raccoon. And as I was trying to find my way, I kept hearing those innards splattering underneath the car, and I was like, this is just gross. So anyway, I make it through that time. I I try to pick up my son, and because there's no cell phone coverage, we have a very higher time connecting. But I finally get him. We get home. It's after 10 o'clock, and then I realize, I don't don't have my iPhone. Where did that (laughs) phone go? And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I lost it when I was trying to find him. So I, we try to call the people there at the event, and they, they don't answer. So, okay, I guess I have to drive back because, again, I have 12 hours of soccer the next day. I need to have a phone. And um, I don't have soccer. I have to watch soccer for 12 hours. But um, anyway, um, so um, I, was my, I could tell my anxiety was really starting to ramp up a little bit. And so we um, ended up... My little, my sweet compadre of a daughter decided that she's going to come with me. And I really wanted just to rant and scream. And I couldn't have Ross do it because he had to preach the next day. And so anyway, I had to go look for it. And so we go. And um, in that process, I know that I had to calm myself down. Or, or like, Because my kids know I'm practicing this Jesus thing of, of being with him in the moment. And so we go and we pray. Okay, Elise knew that my attitude was, stink, was pretty stinky. And so we said, okay, Jesus, be with me in my emotions. Be with me in this moment. I don't know what's happened with my phone. I asked that you would protect our phone. I asked that you would help us to get there. And so we go on our way. And I, and Elise just sits there so quietly. And then she goes, Mom, you know, would music help you be a little more? And I'm like, okay, maybe. I don't know. I was pretty ramped. I just didn't know um, 
if it was going to be, you know, what was going to happen. So the 45 minutes was good to drive out there. And as we got there, we immediately took out our flashlight. I went, and the first thing I saw was my black iPhone in the ground. It had stayed protected. And even though it rained, it had flipped over so that plastic covering had kept it fine. And it was right on the road where all the trucks and cars had been driving to get out of the event, and it was safe. And so now when I look back at that event, I mean, I don't know how it could have gone, and I hope that I would have been okay even if my iPhone was smashed. Um, But I look back more at that event and, like, I got to practice being with Jesus, and the stress is not there, and I got to do it with someone I love. But what if we have something that's much more difficult than a lost iPhone? What if we're talking about something that is more annoying but genuinely hard, like life-threatening issues or when our relationships aren't going well? Will this learning how to be work in a crisis? I mean, how do we learn to be if we get a call that makes our heart stop? I don't know about you, but sometimes my first reaction and tendency in hard times is to demand for God to remove something. Like, I want God to take it away. So I'll say, hey, God, you see this conflict? And I ask for you to remove it and resolve it right now. Because when I'm stressed, I get bossy. Um, but, um, but we can always pray for God to heal. We always pray for God to remove a threat. But what I'm learning is you add to that prayer, God, help me to live in this moment with you. He wants to be with us in that situation. He wants to weigh in on it. Because life is filled with tension, isn't it? It's filled with what is and what we want things to be. And our goal has to be to not eradicate that tension, but to live in that tension with God. Because tell me, who do you respect? Who do you admire? It is probably those people who are able to live in the tension. They hang tough in adversity. You know, and if we don't learn how to live in this tension of life, and instead we try to avoid tension... And then we try to distract ourselves with, you know, TV or food or other things. We're going we're gonna to stunt our growth both spiritually and emotionally. Because part of being requires us to learn how to wait. We pray, we believe in his goodness in the moment. But sometimes in that moment, we don't see the big picture. So when we struggle with tensions, we can sometimes say, well, God, if you did this, I'm going to believe that you're good. But if you don't, you're not good. But God is asking us, can you follow me? Can you find joy even if it doesn't turn out the way that you had hoped? Being requires us to get in touch with what is often very painful to identify. It's painful to be aware of what we really want from God. It's, it's easier to ignore it in a lot of ways. Um, because when we don't get something that we hope for, it hurts. It is hard to wait and to keep hope alive. You know, maybe it's a long-awaited promotion. Maybe it's the resolution of a, of a difficult illness or problems in a relationship. It is easy, it's so much of a desire to want to forget our disappointment and our longing. Um, we don't want to be in touch with that disappointment. And so we either start then stop asking God for things or we start doing things on our own effort. And so being is not the absence of emotion. We have to be real. This is what I feel, God. This is where I'm at. But we hold that tension with saying, I believe that you are in this. I believe that you want to be a part of this and you want to do something. And so, God, I think, you know, if there's something that's bigger that I don't see, you know, help me just to be with you in this process. 
Because the life skill of learning how to wait on God is one of the top skills that we're ever going to need. Because if we don't get that, we are going to become bitter and disillusioned people. Because we want to be able to ask God for huge, huge things. But we have to learn how to stay soft to embrace the life that he has for us right now, in the moment, right now. What about the anxiety and the tension that we experience because of our own mistakes? I mean, sometimes we blow it. Sexually immoral, we could lose our temper, we could harbor resentment. There is forgiveness, but isn't there that tension when we know we've messed up and we've got consequences, right? Now, immaturity would have you avoid that tension, avoid that disappointment. But maturity says you're going to face it head on. You're going to acknowledge, I, I screwed up, I made, I, made, I made a failure. This is the reality of where you're at right now. So then we pull into, but God, I want to be open to you. I want to be open to others. I want to be molded into a person of substance, somebody who's trustworthy. But if we don't address the tension and we avoid thinking about it, we're going to quit growing. We're going to quit being, and it is a downward slide from there. So being has us choosing to talk with God. Talk with God about the tension. Ask him for help. You know, he is not angry with you. I mean, he knows that you messed up, but he also knows that you are totally awesome. He says, keep coming to me. Keep reaching out to others. Um, Watch, I've got something I'm going to do in your life. So I have a couple summary points of how do we live in the moment. The first one is, you know, let kids show us. You know, children said, Jesus said that children will teach us. Learn how to be from kids. They are so much better at the, than us. I mean, have you ever watched a kid in a game, particularly soccer? You know, they're in the middle of a game, seriously. You go for the goal, but they are seeing a dandelion, and they're blowing on it and spreading, you know, all sorts of things. They, they can be in the moment. Um, they receive gifts easier. They receive love easier. They laugh easier. So the next time that you're around kids, maybe ask, pray a prayer like, God, how can I connect with you more like a child? Second, I'd say figure out what you believe about God. Do you have a reason based upon your experience to believe that God sees you, that he cares for you, that he wants to weigh in on your situation? What is your track record with God? And let him build on that. The third one, huge one, let truth give you comfort. I just say pull into the Bible. Soak in it. Allow your imagination to connect you more closely to truth. I mean, throughout the scripture, there's so many images. I mean, that's why for me, it's the river of delight. Like I'm supposed to drink in that. I've been soaking in that image. But you can also receive God's truth through worship, through music, poetry, movies, conversations that you have from, um, with go- conversations you have with friends. I mean, God is always present, right? So we're learning to connect to the truth and want to hear him more, more um, accurately. And that takes practice of like, what is he doing? So the truth can come from a variety of different sources, but it always lines up with the Bible. I want to make that clear. But, I mean, you too could be listening to a Hyundai commercial and maybe hear the voice of God. Because for right now, Bob Marley's voice sounds a lot like God. Because that, that, when I heard that song, I really felt like I was supposed to pause with it. And so when I've been going to sleep at night, that's the song I play. Like, it's like God saying to me, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. And um, being present to him. And truth takes time to become real. So when you're practicing being, 
What are you tuning yourself into? What are the thoughts that you're thinking? What truth do you want to become more real to you? Um, Or more importantly, what truth does God want to become more real for you? We can review in our mind a thousand times a bad thing. Like maybe we were criticized at work or rejected. We review that over and over again because our minds have the ability to relive an event through our imagination. So how many times do you take to relive the good, the beauty, the things that you know that God has done for you, big and small? How many times do you take to review that? So in your process of being, I'd encourage you to take a thousand reviews of something that you're wanting to grow in in God or what he's wanting to have stronger in your life because that's how truth becomes more real. The fourth one is notice what you do have. Basically, this is saying gratitude. Ask yourself um, and ask your kids, what do you want to thank God for today? And so to sort of think about, okay, what do I want to thank God for? And get specific. I mean, I don't know about you, but my kids can be pretty vague. And so I'll ask, like, well, what was good about your day? And they say, well, okay, well, youth group, I'm thankful for youth group. Okay, well, that's nice. What specifically in youth group are you thankful for? And it might be that somebody prayed for me, or it's most often that Bill Workman was incredibly goofy and funny and made my day. So he he gets brought up at that time. But be specific with your gratefulness. Because in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always, pray consistently, and give thanks at all times. Like, how are you supposed to do that? But being present to God, you're becoming and you're noticing more of the things that he's doing and what he's up to. Um, so what if things are difficult? When you have a sick child, are you supposed to give thanks for that? Um, we can thank God, not for a sick child, but we can thank God that he is with us when we're there, that he is present, that he is alive, that he is bringing peace and healing. And finally, receive the gift of the moment. And that's when you ask Jesus, what do you want from me right now? Or Jesus, what do you have for me in this moment? Receive the moment. In summary, you have probably heard this quote, but boy, I think it's such a good reminder on how to live. There was an old man who said on his deathbed, I've had a lot of trouble in my life, most of which has never, ever happened. I mean, isn't that profound? It's like I can live so much into the future and taking on those things. And I do not want the last thing I say before I die that, oh gosh, I wish I wouldn't have worried so much and taken on those troubles. Because if we don't, um, if we don't worry about tomorrow, it forces us to live in the now. And I think if we do that, I believe that scripture says our lives are going to go much better than we ever thought. So Daniel Barnes, he leads our um, youth worship band. He writes songs, and he is going to share one of my favorites that he's written. And like Bob Marley, this song addresses the concept of worry, and it also has birds in it. Um, but it also, but it is based on the beautiful passages in Matthew and Luke. So Daniel's going to sing, and then we're going to have time to meet God with more and more song. But first, I mean, it would be pretty incongruent if we talked about being, but we didn't practice it. So let's practice. Um, being with God in, a moment, in this moment. You know, I sent this message to my mom on Friday afternoon uh, because I just wanted to see if it made sense to her. And so she was at this very point in the message when she was interrupted by a phone call. A very good friend of hers called and she was crying on the phone. And her friend told her that her husband had just died unexpectedly. 
And so my mom, when she finally got off the phone, um, she read the next sentence in the message. And it says, take a moment to just be with God. Give him the one thing that seems to weigh most heavy on your heart and your mind. And my mom was just like, oh, she wrote me back and she says, um, I really don't want to be in the now right now. And I was like so touched by God's timing in that because he knew right then and there that my mom would need encouragement to, to be asked to be, that he wanted to be with her in the midst of all of her emotions and thoughts. And that is a powerful personal invitation that he gave to her. But he also is giving us that same personal invitation that he wants us to be with him and no matter what your moment looks like. So I'd like to pray. And then after I pray, I want us just to, to ask a couple questions of God, okay? God, I just want to thank you so much. You are the God of hope. That you fill every one of us with joy and peace. That's your desire. So I pray that you would fill each person's heart with a cleansing of your spirit. I pray that you would fill them. You would flood them. I pray that you would increase joy for any form of anxiety. And most of all, Lord, I pray that you would bring fresh hope to each person. In the name of Jesus. So as your eyes are closed, I'd like for you to identify the one thing that weighs most heavy on your heart. And I'd like you to picture giving that to God. And I'd like you to ask Jesus, what do you have for me in this moment? Wouldn't it be great if we could just get that inside of ourselves so we believed it, so we wouldn't worry? I pray that that's the blessing God brings to your life this, this week by learning to be present and accepting the fact that He loves you. I want to invite you back next week and the next couple weeks especially. Um, I don't often do this, but we're embarking on a series dealing with some of the most difficult issues that we have to face. We're going to embark on it in a way that declares our value of who we think Jesus is to us and who we think we should be to one another, and meaning to have a relationship above differences. But as we set up this series, the next couple weeks, we're going to be dealing with very real issues that we face, maybe not the hottest ones the next two weeks, but in the next two messages, there's going to be really foundational stuff that if you're not here for that, if you're not going to hear what we're going to talk about these next two weeks, It'll still make sense later, but it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to understand how we're going to deal with some of the difficult topics later if you're not here the next two weeks. We've actually got a couple messages later in the series that are going to be that same way. One of them especially going to be really visual, so if you're not here that Sunday, you're going to miss, I think, one of the most powerful things. We'll let you know when that Sunday's up. But if you can try your best, I know it's really great weather, there's a lot going on. If you can try your best to be here the next two weeks especially, Uh, It's going to really help you grasp what we're trying to deal with later in this series. God bless. Have a great week.
thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at go to quest.org.